0: So, so am I. And I'm so glad that you guys were around, other members, what seems to be hopeless is not. There is hope, and it's the process that you guys are talking about. I, I heard, heard it, it through the,
1: the grapevine. grapevine.
2: Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour. Featuring the collected voices of alcoholics anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. And my home group is the Way Out Big Book Study.
1: Hey Don. Hey everybody, I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. And my home group is dot dot dot. What? Well, I'm still looking for a home group, but I do have a meeting that I All go right. to. So there's a meeting I go to every Tuesday night that's been going on for years, and that's my home group, but it's not a registered group, and we'll get more
2: into that, Don. Now, I'm not your sponsor, Sam, but how long have you been living in this new location, Palm Springs? Well,
1: I have been here for two years. I haven't joined a home group here. I'm sad to say but I have started shopping around now because I'm comfortable going into physical spaces now. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, there's a group that I have fallen in love with, but it's a 30-minute drive. Wow, well, you know, I totally would have driven 30 minutes
2: for a bottle of liquor, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to know you've settled on a regular meeting. That's cool. Oh, yes.
1: I have to have
2: meetings in my no. life.
1: So, Don, how did your home group get its name?
2: The Way Out Big Book Study Group, it used to have a different name. My group was founded in uh, 1984 as the No Frills Big Book Study. We've got a group history written, and it says that they just wanted to study the book. So originally, there was no cake at anniversaries, no reading of the tools at the beginning, just a prayer and start studying the book using a study guide that came from the Inside Job Group in Florida. The whole idea of that is to slow down and look at the book a paragraph or a couple of sentences at a time, point by point, and study it. It's it's a lot of people think it's tedious. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I started going in 1996 when I was two years sober, and I've been going ever since. In 2002, that's when we changed locations and we added some things like reading the tools and introducing yourself before sharing.
1: Added a few frills,
2: huh? Yeah, a few frills, but a few things that seemed off-putting to people and, and, you know, a few other frills. We have more cake than there used to be. (laughs) And, And we changed the name to the Way Out group.
1: You know, that was one of the original ideas for the title of the big book. It was before it became Alcoholics Anonymous. The fantastic study group. (laughs) Y'all should check it out if you ever get to Greensboro. We got an interesting thing going on today talking about,
2: you know, group names and everything. But how do groups get their names? Let's look at Tradition 6. An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. So, groups aren't named for where they're located, like a First Baptist Church group. Yeah, there's
1: some information about this in the pamphlet, the AA group, where it all begins. So here it is, quote, Um, Even the appearance of being linked to any organization, club, or political or religious institution needs to be avoided. Therefore, an AA group that meets in a correctional or treatment facility or a church should take care not to use the institution's name, but to call itself something quite different. This makes it clear that the AA group is not affiliated with the hospital, church, treatment facility, or whatever, but simply rents space there for meetings. And then it says a little further down. Wait a minute. Has,
2: yeah. let, me, let me interrupt. I think that's interesting because when I came in, I didn't know that the AA groups were not affiliated with the church because in this area and a lot of places all over the country, because churches give a free rental space or at least low rental space to AA groups. And other groups too, community organization. And so the groups are not affiliated with the churches.
1: Yep. That's a really important distinction. For me, I started going to AA in a clubhouse, and I thought the clubhouse was AA. Yes. And I got clear on that distinction. There's a separation between those two as well. The groups meeting in the clubhouse rented space from them.
2: That's right. Okay, Sam, what is the difference between a group and a meeting?
1: This is from the GSO New Group Listing Guidelines slash form. It's available on aa.org. It says, GSO, the General Service Office, lists AA groups and not meetings. Shared experience is that holding AA meetings is one function of a group. An AA group is a meeting that participates in the general service structure and provides 12-step services that extend beyond the regular meeting times. So what does that mean, really? That means it's a group that has a GSR that participates in the general service structure, but it also means that this group as an entity participates outside of its scheduled meeting in carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. So that could be that they volunteer with the intergroup or district that is organizing people taking a meeting to the treatment facility or to the hospital or whatever. These groups exist outside of their meeting time.
2: That's the difference. A meeting doesn't exist when the meeting's not going on.
1: And so that brings us back. You asked me earlier about my home group, and I am not in a group right now. I'm in a meeting. So what's a home group then? Oh, for a home group to exist. And in some cases, this home meeting of mine is that it's my personal responsibility that has me show up and make sure that it exists. I'm committed to showing up every Tuesday to this meeting to make sure that it's there, that it happens. And I volunteer, I I help move the furniture, I help clean up the kitchen or you know, bring snacks or whatever.
2: You help make AA happen.
1: Yeah, participating in a home group, I'm committed to making it to that group's meeting every week. Now that can get tricky
2: if the group meets
1: seven days a week.
2: Yeah, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about that. I have an online home group mm-hmm. that meets five days a week That doesn't mean I go to every one. I choose one that I'm absolutely always there. So for me, it's Tuesday. I make a commitment, but not every single one.
1: Now, you say you have an online home group, and then you also have the Way Out home group. So you have two home groups. Mm -hmm. Do both of them have GSRs?
2: They do. I only vote in one.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah. that. yeah. And that's an important thing. Be- because of a GSR, a group has a general service representative that represents the group at the district and area levels, which is that group's voice at those levels and also ears. That person's bringing information back. I can have a commitment within myself that I'm going to attend certain groups regularly, but only one of those is where I exercise my voice about the running, if you will, of AA. And that's the home group where I have my voice and my
2: vote. You could make your home group a meeting in that it becomes my personal responsibility to be there every week and to participate every week. But that doesn't make it a group unless that group has a GSR and is participating in the structure of AA. Is that true? That's true.
1: Yeah. By George, I think he's got it. (laughs) Well, it's confusing when you first come into AA. It's true. Yeah, It's good just to have the conversation. Well, Don, today we're doing a segment we call What's in a Name? This is where we meet someone from a group with an interesting name. The person doesn't have an interesting name. The group has an interesting name. The group has an interesting name. I mean, the person might have an interesting name, too. Today's guest is Keith And his home group is... Ah, ah,
2: ah, 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 ah. Don't spoil Uh, it, Sam. uh, Don't don't give away the group name. We're going to get to that in just a minute.
1: (laughs) Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. Uh, thank you so much, Sam Don. My name is Keith, and I am
0: an alcoholic. And my home group, the suspense is, <laughs> is called the 704 Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. The
1: seven of This is that an area code? <laughs> that
0: is an odd time frame that we chose to conduct our meeting. Every Friday night. Ah, what time does the meeting meet? The meeting is exactly the name, 704, four minutes past the hour in Virginia Beach and Kings Grant area.
1: (laughs) So now what prompted y'all to start at 704? We
0: provide a service, according to the group conscience, to have childcare. If anybody has had children getting sober or staying sober with children and looking for daycare or babysitting, you know, that the babysitter is not always on time. You know, there's <laughs> always circumstances that go beyond your control. And with kids, it, it, it always, it goes beyond your. <laughs> so, That's incredible
2: service.
0: You have childcare. We do. And it's, Decided by the group, by this voluntary contribution uh, outside the normal Seventh Tradition.
2: How does that work? Do you have somebody there where the group meets that watches the kids? or Yep. The church requires to have them have a
0: license and it has mm-hmm. to have two personnel to provide the service. So we had to have a group conscience to decide if that's the route that we wanted to continue to go with these parameters that were put on us. And there was a lot of discussion about...
1: Oh, I bet.
0: Oh, you can you can only imagine. I mean, there's discussion about a, a single dime in AA. Well, oh, I was about to say,
1: I mean, I've been participant of some uh, pretty heated discussions about cookies. So, you <laughs> know, right. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And so it was wonderful conversation, not letting them run our group and make decisions. We pay rent. chatters back and forth. And finally, we decided if we're going to conduct ourselves as members of society, getting back out there in the mainstream and acting like law-abiding citizens and respecters of those who allow us in their places the privilege of doing so. We're gonna have to
2: honor what their requests are. So we did about how much does the group have to spend a week on childcare? It's a forty dollar commitment per week for
0: those two individuals, 20 per how big is your group to support this? Yeah. That's a great question too. (laughs) It's like the tide. I'm here on Virginia beach, the coastal groups are like the tide. (laughs) Yes. Could be six members. Last Friday, we had 40 members show up. Sometimes it's a boatload of children, eight to 10 children. So,
1: Well, that's a huge service that you're providing to make AA accessible to parents of young children. I mean,
0: it's tough because I got sober really young. I got sober at 17 And watching parents, young mothers bringing their children into the regular groups, Mm -hmm. though everybody's welcomed it, you could see the tension that it would bring.
2: The kid starts crying. and Absolutely. And it's hard for the mother because I got to take the child out and leave the meeting Mm -hmm. and the mother needs the meeting or the father, whoever has the child. And sometimes there's some salty language
1: in meetings, too. There is that I wouldn't like my children to be
2: heard and, and it just alleviates that kind of uh, tension so has the 704 group i assume it meets till 804 it does <laughs> <laughs> i love it my online home group i was talking about named shivering denizens you can get to that meeting at nc23.org it meets at 5 30 we start the meeting at 5:33 but we don't talk about it that that's when the meeting starts <laughs> for the same reason because slowly but surely people will start coming in at 5:33 <laughs> and then you've got to move it to 536. Are you you saying that
1: some of us just don't tend to show up on time? Is that what you're saying there? It seems to be that way. I
0: I, I sobered up in Detroit, Michigan back in 87. I sobered up in a group that was very diligent, very time-sensitive. It was the Dignitary Sympathy Group out in Lansing in Detroit, Michigan. What Mm -hmm. a name that is! (laughs) Now, the Dignitary Sympathy Yes. What does that mean? You don't get any, is what they say. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get it. That was their motto.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) man. Tough love group there.
0: (laughs) They were were a tough
2: crowd. Absolutely no
0: childcare in in a place like
2: that. What was it like getting sober there? Were you put off by a certain rigidity, a kind of like, we're doing it this way type of thing?
0: I, I really was but as page 89 says in our book, we alcoholics are undisciplined, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was their mantra almost. Your sponsor went to that group. It's a two-hour meeting, and it's men's, wow. and it's a non-smoking meeting. And in the 80s, that was... That was a
1: big deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was really
0: That big. was huge. You went there, and you didn't share unless you were given how it works, And if how it works was presented to you, you read it, and you had to bring to the group what you did and what you didn't do And since the last meeting. Chose to take on this responsibility in AA and and call two drunks a day and read three pages. Basically, you reported that. As a 17-year-old junior in high school, when you didn't do those things, those grown men would let you know that that wasn't acceptable for a respectful,
1: responsible member. I didn't stay there very long. I can't imagine why. I mean,
2: you, I, I wouldn't have done it. Well, yeah, that, I think that's very off putting. But you got sober that you didn't drink again? No, nope. Well, to, how did that happen? I left that group, joined the Marine Corps, and went to Hawaii, where I
0: met old timers and alcoholics that some of them have stories in our book in the third and the second edition. So, wow. Was a club of wonderful
2: place to be and getting sober at it was in Hawaii. So there must have been a lot of willingness to give up and get sober someone else's way. What was going on with you when you came to AA? Why did you quit drinking? Why did you go to AA? Good point. I had a couple of family members that got gotten
0: sober back in the 80s. My drinking had put me out of my family's house. They joined Al-Anon in 81, and they made it very difficult to drink like that at their house. Mm. They told me I was welcomed as long as I could stay sober. And that just basically was like, you're out of here. Let us know when you're done. And so I couch surfed for a couple of years and it was homeless and mm-hmm. living in the basement of a girlfriend's house, drinking her parents' wine and not going to school, not going to work or anything. I had become so deluded with my reality, drinking and sober. I was convinced that the girl that I was staying at her house was having an affair. had no evidence, only the fact that I was. And if I was, then (laughs) everybody
2: is. I understand the thinking.
0: I stayed just drinking one bottle of beer, 1986, December 31st, so that I could catch her. It seemed like a formidable plan that I would just stay sober and watch to see if New Year's Eve she would have an affair. In front of me with somebody... That showed up randomly. It seemed like a sound idea. That's how diluted my brain was. It didn't happen. And I was so frustrated. Finally, I was just willing to jump on whoever walked through the door next. And uh, and I jumped on him and physically got into altercation with an uh, innocent guy that had nothing other than he was the neighbor. I felt finally, you know, I can just relax and drink after what I just did. And everybody looked at me and kicked me out of the house. Wow. And so I walked outside and uh, had nowhere else to go. I'd ran through everybody's life. And it was blizzarding in 1986. Hmm. I was too drunk to realize that there was a blizzard going on. And uh, and I go outside and obviously I'm in tears. I'm I'm just devastated with my lot in life. And uh, I get on my knees and I pray. You know, I just pray I'm a bad Catholic. I don't pray, but maybe twice a year. And that's not a gig on the faith. It's just my inability to follow any direction, anywhere, anytime. And so I get on my knees and I pray and I, I'm begging God to either let me just perish or or help me. And mm. I expected the miracle on 34th Street to happen. Like the snow stops and the lights come on in the middle of the night. It just leads you back to the promised land it started snowing quicker and I panicked. I broke into my mother's house and uh, I passed out in the basement with the firm resolution, I'll never drink. And I thought that was going to be enough just to say I was never going to drink again. And mm. Leading me back home to the promised land, but it, it didn't. Two days later after detoxing in her basement, my mom came and found me and she screamed and she said, I told you I'd never want to see you in this house in that condition. And I told her I was three days sober and I don't want to drink anymore. And uh, she's a good Al-Anon because she didn't buy it. <laughs> she just <laughs> knew that I was in trouble and I wanted to be out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And to my deluded self, I, I was convinced that I really wanted help. So long story short, it, uh three months without alcohol. And I started acting just like I was drinking without mm-hmm. a drop. I didn't know what my excuse was. I just thought I was a sociopath. Three months sober, I got arrested for eight felony count within an hour and a half. I think it was the city's record of that many felonies in the shortest period of time.
1: It's not a record you want to break, man.
0: (laughs) It's it's not a badge of honor. Yeah. I was looking at eight years of prison. Wow. My best friend had gotten arrested too. He went to treatment. Everything was dropped and he got out of all this trouble. Got a girlfriend and a new car and everybody loved the guy. And that's what I wanted. And so I opted to go to a treatment center. I fell in love with not only the stories, but the people. It gave me such hope. I kept coming around. Now, I missed the message of how that happened, i.e. getting a home group, getting a sponsor, going through the steps, working with others, spiritual awakening. I just wanted to go to meetings and get it that way. It didn't happen that way. Uh, I violated probation, and I got sentenced to the Marine Corps. They gave me four years in the Marine Corps or eight years in prison, and I opted to go there. Went to my first meeting in the military. and
2: You don't sound like
0: you've really surrendered yet, though. I had not No. I, had, I surrendered after Desert Shield. I came back. I was asked to speak in Hawaii, and they just asked me because I was young, because I had some time. I had about three and a half years of sobriety. And, and so I get up there, and I, and I share, and I just got back from combat. 13 months of being deployed and uh, I wasn't right. I hadn't been to a meeting in that long a time either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I shared about what I used to be like and how bad it is and how uncomfortable and how just miserable sobriety is. And, uh, and a gentleman in the back stood up and it was very odd. He says, excuse me, but uh, I know how to drink. How do you stay sober? Wow. And I just knew it was a message. And I just knew, he knew that I didn't know how to stay sober. That just the absence of alcohol and nothing else was not cutting it. And I knew it. And I was trying to pretend that that was enough. And I was found out. Mm. I immediately left and I knew I couldn't drink. And I knew I couldn't stay sober. And uh, I tried suicide that night and uh, couldn't do it. Cause I was afraid that it got better tomorrow. I just knew it would get better tomorrow. Mm. And so I woke up praying for courage to, to do something. I looked at my watch. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's late. I said, well, there's this meeting that's three miles away and I can run. I ran to the meeting and I get there and, uh, I watch all you beautiful people walk in and I knew I wasn't part of it. And uh, I walk in and I sat in the back as if I'd never been to AA before. And a group of guys walked into the meeting. It was a speaker meeting. I just wanted to go there and share how bad I felt. Figured I'd get some relief. It was a speaker meeting that night. I'm like, great. I don't want to hear somebody else. They all had big books in their hands and they all had sponsors and they all were dressed like they were going to speak that day or that they cared about speaking. and uh, The guy delivered a message that talked about alcoholism and not drinking. And I didn't know that there was a difference. He described his life according to the doctor's opinion about more about alcoholism. It shared something that I had never heard before. And it was from we agnostics talking about if I have this condition that I might be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And that nailed me. That I hadn't had a spiritual experience. I just went to a lot of AA meetings and I drank a lot of coffee and I I still lived like I was drinking and wondered yeah. why it never changed. Mm-hmm. And I asked him for help that day. I begged him. And he looks at me and he sticks his hand out and he said, what's your problem? And I'm like, oh my God, he knows I got a problem. I told him I had been sober three years, not taking the steps. I hadn't had a spiritual experience and I want to kill myself all the time. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I got hope that it's going to get better and and I don't know how it's going to get better, but I know you guys talk about it and it saved my life. He took me through the steps and I had that spiritual experience and he told me things like you guys were talking this afternoon about being involved with the service part of it. We had a group called the 204 group in Hawaii.
1: Another number
0: group? (laughs) These numbers, you know. Did they they
1: meet at 204?
0: (laughs) They believed that there was 204 pages of original recovery. I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) I just know it was a big book study group. They were as enthusiastic about being there and carrying a message that I was. My sponsor at the time was the chairperson. Barked the order, just like other sponsors had. You need to get involved. You're going to be the GSR. Here's the service book. Go study it. And we have an assembly coming up. And I was thrown in like that. It saved my life. I stopped being suicidal and I stopped wanting to drink and started getting some joy in my life, some peace and usefulness. I wanted to do this thing right for other people as well.
2: So it sounds like you had a spiritual experience for real by working the steps with a sponsor. And then you got involved in service work. What's today? How do you stay sober today? So this,
0: the same process, I start in support groups, I am a GSR for the 704 group, I've been an intergroup rep in our local area for that group as well, I lead meetings within the jails and the institutions, mm-hmm. I'm a part of that, part of the service structure as well, and I sponsor anybody who will allow me to, to help them. I believe what it says in our literature is that my job is to be useful and effective. And if I can help and not dictate their lives, but to help in whatever way that I can, I think that's the greatest privilege ever and not an obligation, but it's a privilege to do so. And my life has been forever changed because of it. I'm a very good father because of this. My kids love me to death and because I love them very much and I don't run their lives today. I get to be their father.
1: A life transformed. Absolutely. I could sit here and keep talking with you for a long time. Thanks, Keith. Keith, thanks so much.
0: So much, gentlemen. Absolute pleasure.
2: The Grapevine is looking for your story submissions for Why I Love the 12 and 12. Stories are due by December 15th, 2022. Our 12 Steps
1: and 12 Traditions book turns 70 next year. Tell us the ways this book has enriched your sobriety. Is there a story about using the book that you'd like to tell? How does your group use it? What are your favorite passages and why? Share your story by December 15th, 2022 via aagrakevine.org slash share.
2: young man. I've done a thorough physical examination and I've got your lab results right here. The best thing for you to do is to give up drinking and smoking, get to bed early and stay away from women. Hey doc, I just don't deserve the best. Uh,
1: What's second best? (laughs) it's really not that funny thanks for joining us the aa grapevine half hour variety hour is posted every monday and is produced by aa grapevine inc we don't speak for aa as a whole we share the experience strength and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find A.A. Grapevine on Instagram and the A.A. Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about A.A., Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit a.a.org.